Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We had gotten home from church, and the sweet potatoes had been in the oven for nine hours. And so we get in the house, and, and you know, the sweet potatoes are burned, and the pan was burned. Everything was burned. You had to take the things and throw them outside, throw the whole thing. You, I mean, you ever burn something so bad, you got to throw the pan away. And just throw everything away. And so the sweet potatoes got burned, and, and, and the house smelled like burned sweet potatoes. I'm like, oh, man, I, what are we going to do? And I got to have sweet potatoes. So early Thursday morning, I get up and I go over to Harris Teeter because I got to get my sweet potatoes. Because y'all, I got to have sweet potato pie. Some of y'all eat pumpkin pie. I had to have sweet potato pie, okay, with whipped cream. Just a side note. And, and, and so, and so I, I go to Harris Teeter and, you know, it's early in the morning and I'm feeling good. It's Thanksgiving and I'm feeling good, and I go in and get my sweet potatoes and a few other things. I was going to make some mashed potatoes. I make really good, fluffy mashed potatoes. And so I'm going to make some mashed potatoes, get my sweet potato stuff, and I grab a little bit of items. I get in the line, and I'm on my way out the door, and there's this nice lady in front of me. And she happens to, you know, with her cart, she, you know, cuts in front of me a bit, and she looks back, and, how are you? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I'm feeling chipper. She's feeling chipper at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know. And I'm like, oh, well, how are you today? Well, I'm just fine, thank you very much. So she goes out to her car, and I go out to my car. Our cars are parked side by side. She empties her cart, and she puts her stuff in her car. I empty my cart, put my stuff in my car. I'm on my way back up to take the carts back up to the supermarket. And I looked at her, and I said, well, why don't I just take that cart for you, ma'am? She goes, well, that's very nice of you. Thank you very much. I said, well, no problem. It's a joy for me to be able to do this. So I grew <laughs> Grab the carts, and I'm going back up. And I put the carts back up, and I come back, and this is the truth. I'm telling you, I did that nice thing for that lady that I did not know, and I thought, you know, Rodney, you're a good person. I'm thinking to myself, you are really a good person. Look how nice you are. You did that for that lady who you did not even know. You're a good person, and by golly, people like me. It's the truth. And I'm feeling good about myself and I'm feeling strong inside because I'm good. My goodness is overflowing. Well, I get in my car and I'm driving home. I get out onto the main road and do you know it? Somebody cut me off. And I said, you idiot, I can't believe you just did that. And then I drove, I'm going to catch him. And then I drove by and went, And I thought, and whatever happened to all that goodness? <laughs> you know, isn't it the truth? 
And we think we're good, and, and, and we can walk in the Spirit at one, one point and in the flesh just like that. You know, your, your flesh, you become a flesh monster just, just like that. Isn't that the truth? Why? Because there's nothing good in us. Because it really is nothing good in us. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And it is God who has made us alive together with him. You see, but God has a plan for sinful man. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and he draws men to salvation. And even, listen, listen to this. Even as the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, draws us to salvation. You know, he doesn't do that like, like we think the Holy Spirit of God's going to convict us of sin. And he's like got this big celestial hammer in the sky that's going to come down on your head, you low life, rotten, dirty sinner. You don't even know Jesus. Boom. And that's what we think. We think that's how the Holy Spirit brings men to himself as he hammers you into conviction. And then you, oh, yes, I am. I am a sinner. I am rotten. I am dirty. I am filthy. Look at me. I'm filthy. And then we get saved. No. You know how the Holy Spirit draws men to salvation? With the cords of love. You know, it was Romans. It was Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Man, it's like God's love upon your life. God just lavishes love and love and love. You, you, ever, you ever do something to someone and they don't respond in kind? They, they respond with love. And, and they make you feel so bad. You know, it's like when I do something wrong to you and, and then you love me, it's like, I wish you'd do something bad to me so I can feel justified in what I did to you. No, God doesn't do that. God loves us into the kingdom. He draws us with the cords of love and he lavishes love upon you. And that leads you to repentance. It was Titus 3, 4 and 5. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Man, the Lord washed us. And when, and, when, and when God washes you, you feel clean. Like, like new snow. You know when it first snows and you just kind of go outside? Elvira loves snow. Elvira loves snow. When it snows, she always wakes me up. And come look, 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 it's snow, it's snow. I'm like, yeah, honey, I've seen it before. But look how beautiful it is. It is. New, fresh snow is beautiful. Old snow is not so wonderful. But new snow is beautiful. And that's what happens when the Lord washes you. He, he causes you to be white as snow. You know, it was Isaiah who said, Though your sin be as red as crimson, I will wash you whiter than snow. And it was January 23rd, 1982, when God washed me white as snow. And, and I felt it. I felt clean. I felt clean for the first time in my life. I felt clean. I felt new. I felt fresh. I felt alive because I was clean because the Lord washed me and he filled me with his spirit and he caused me to be born again. And and man, I saw things different. I saw things different. The sky was blue. The grass was green. The dirt was brown. 
I mean, I never saw these things. I never really saw these things. But when the Lord washed me and cleansed me, I started seeing things new. And that's what happens when he, when he puts the Spirit of God in you and he causes you to be born again, regenerates you. You're born again. Which brings us to our second point this morning, that God will give you then a brand new heart. Isn't that the truth? God gives you a brand new heart. And when you become a Christian, you start to love people that, that you didn't love before. You start to see people differently. You start to see things differently. You start to love people. God takes out a stony heart and gives you a heart of flesh. It was in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart, God says, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. When you become a Christian, God replaces your heart, your stony heart, with a heart that is soft, a heart of flesh. You know, there's many organs that we have in our bodies. And some of them, we have two. In case one fails, you've got a backup. We've got two lungs. You've got two eyes. You've got two ears. And if one of those organs should fail, you could function with just one of them. But then there are other organs in your body that you only have one of. There's no backup. And without it, you're dead. There's only one brain and one liver and one heart. And if your heart stops beating, you need a heart transplant. And it's impossible to add a new heart unless you remove or get rid of the old heart. Well, when you decide to give your life to Jesus Christ, you decide to die to sin and begin to live for Jesus. The Bible says that God takes out the old heart and he gives you a new heart. He does that by his spirit. It's a heart of flesh. And then, as I said, you start loving people that you didn't love before. You start seeing things differently because you have a new heart. You know, it's hard for me to believe that a person could even possibly be one who doesn't love other people. If they are born again Christian, it's hard for me to believe a person could be a racist if they don't love other people. If they've got the spirit of God living in their life, I can't see how possibly you could not love other people. I don't care where they're from or how much they make or who they are. You must love other people because God has given you a heart of flesh, a heart that comes from him by his spirit. It's impossible. How can you hate other people if God's given you a new heart? And that's what happens when you are born again. God gives you a new heart, a heart of flesh. Well, the third thing that happens when you become a Christian is that you are baptized into the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ for by one spirit, we were all baptized into the body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. You know, Paul isn't talking about water baptism here as much as he's talking about the spirit baptism. 
Paul is talking about a common immersion in the spirit that all believers have, which bring them into the body of Christ. Listen at this. The very moment that you become a Christian, the Bible says that God takes you out of the world of sin and places you in the body of Christ. The very moment you become a Christian, God places you in the church. You become a bride of Christ. You become a part of the family of God. You become a part of something that is bigger than you are. Pentecostals, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Lutherans, Methodists, Baptists, Catholics, all of those in those denominations. You see, God is not into denominationalism. Did you know that? God is not into the Baptists and the Catholics and, 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 and all of these denominations that man has created. The Bible says you must be born again. The Bible doesn't say follow a denomination. The Bible says follow Jesus. And so within all of these denominations, I believe there are really, truly born-again believers within these denominations, some. So there's some born-again Catholics, and there's some born-again Presbyterians, and there's some born-again Methodists. But all of those who are born-again are placed into the body of Christ and become members of one body, the church. Yes, we probably do. We do have disagreements, but we also have a greater oneness that we share. So it's not about denominationalism. It's not about membership. I mean, membership will not save you. Amen. Did you know that? Membership doesn't save anybody. People go to church and they go, I'm become a member of the church down the street. Okay. Go ahead. But membership won't get you, it might get you a chicken sandwich or something, I don't know, but (laughs) membership will not get you into heaven. The only way to get into heaven is what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's the only way to get into heaven. And when you are born again, then that is what gives you membership into the kingdom of God. That's why here at Calvary Chapel, some people have asked me, do we have membership here at Calvary? And I tell them, no, we don't have membership. Why? Because I'll ask them, are you a Christian? Yep. You born again? Yep. Believe Jesus died for your sin? Yep. Believe he rose again? Yep. Believe he's coming back? Yep. Are you sure? Yeah. You're born again Christian? Yeah. Well, then you are a member. Welcome to the family of God. And that's all the membership you really need. And we don't, we don't have membership. I mean, it's an administrative nightmare. We don't need to keep up with those books and who's a member and who's coming and who's not and all that. Hey, if you're a born again believer, come fellowship. Be a part of the body of Christ. Because the Spirit of God baptizes you into the body if you are a Christian. Our last point this morning, the fourth thing that happens when you become a Christian is that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're sealed by the Spirit. Now, in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the wealth of the believers. That we are chosen, we are adopted, we are accepted, we are redeemed, we are forgiven all according to the riches of his grace. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That's you. You see, Paul says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is God's identifying mark on us that we belong to him. Now, really quickly, four things about this sealing I want to point out for you. First of all, what it means to be sealed. First of all, it's a finished transaction. Even today, when a legal document is processed, it's stamped with a seal that it is complete and a finished transaction. And when God puts his Holy Spirit in your life, it's a finished transaction and it's finished by Jesus on Calvary's cross. And you are sealed and you're protected and you're preserved to the day of redemption or the day when Jesus takes your body home with him in heaven and no trick of Satan and no doctrine of men, not even your own sin can change that. When you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, it is a finished transaction. Secondly, not only a finished transaction, but also the seal speaks of ownership. Ownership. That means that God owns you. You are not your own. Now, people say, well, this is my life. I can do whatever I want to do with it. Not if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, It isn't just your life. Your life belongs to him. And now you're to do what he tells you to do. Now you're to go where he tells you to go. He owns you. You can't do it your way. I don't care what Frank Sinatra says. You can't do it your way. You've got to do it God's way. Amen, saints? It's all about doing it God's way because he owns you. And Peter says that he bought you with his precious blood. That's what he used to buy you. And so now he owns you and it's your responsibility to live according to his will. And then thirdly, this seal is a guarantee of our inheritance. That word guarantee is the same word can be translated earnest, like in money. It's like you open up the auto trader truck book paper, whatever that thing is, and people selling their cars, and you see a car in there, you go, that's a really cool car, I'm a car, I'm going to call this guy, I want to buy that car. You call the guy up, hey, how you doing, you still got that car? Yep, come on down and see it. Okay, on my way. You get there, you see the car, you go, oh, I love this car, I'm going to buy this car. The guy says, okay, then I need you to put down some earnest money that you guarantee that you are going to come back and complete the transaction. It's a down payment. So God is saying, I love you so much that I put a deposit down and I'm going to come back for my purchase possession and will carry the transaction out to the end. Now, as a side note, listen, as a side note, that is why we believe, I believe, the weight of Scripture teaches eternal security. Why? Because if we could lose our salvation, then God would have to forfeit his down payment of the Holy Spirit. And he won't do that. Well, God's given us his Holy Spirit as a deposit, and it assures us that God is coming back for us. And we are valuable, purchased 
possession. You know, I've been wanting to read this for two services. Let me read it to you now. Chuck Swindoll talking about the value of something. Chuck Swindoll in his book called Hope Again tells this story. Even the ordinary items can become very valuable if they belong to someone famous. Can you imagine paying $21,000 for someone's old used toothbrush? Well, that's what Napoleon's toothbrush sold for. Hitler's car was sold for $150,000. People will pay thousands of dollars to become the owner of a pipe that C.S. Lewis smoked. Thousands of dollars for Winston Churchill's desk or sheet music written in Beethoven's own hand or a house that Ernest Hemingway, Hemingway once owned. When Jackie Kennedy Onassis' personal belongings were auctioned off, someone shelled out $211,500 for her fake pearls. It was said that JFK's golf clubs were sold for $772,500. Now, none of these items were that valuable in and of themselves, but they acquired great value because they belonged to someone important. Well, Chuck Swindoll asked, are you ready for a surprise? We fit that bill, too. Think of the value of something owned by God. Think of it. The value of something owned by God. We are his valued, purchased possession. He has put down the Holy Spirit, and that is a guarantee earnest money that he is someday going to come and take back, redeem this valued purchase possession. Who's that? That's you. And that's me. We belong to him. Well, fourthly and lastly, not only does the Holy Spirit, this seal, speak of a finished transaction, ownership, a guarantee of inheritance, but lastly, the seal speaks of authenticity. You see, a seal on a letter was like a signature or a person's letterhead, the king's seal of authenticity. And so it is true. When we're sealed with the spirit, our lives ought to show forth and prove that we are God's. In other words, if you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, then there should be fruit coming from your life. Fruit should be seen. A Christ-like character should be the visible expression of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Fruit. Because we belong to him. You belong to him. We're sealed by the spirit. God loves you enough that he sent his son to die for you. Jesus ascended, sent the Holy Spirit down. He descended on the church. And now every born again believer, every person who gives their life and their heart to Jesus, that moment on, They are sealed by the Holy Spirit. They're baptized into the body of Christ. They're given a new heart. They're saved. They're saved. What a great thing. And we need to have a Christ-like character to prove those things, that we are owned by him. Someday he's coming back for his package. For his package. You know, in Ephesus, that used to be, it was a seaport for merchandise. And people from all around the world used to go to Ephesus and they used to to make purchases and buy things there in the area of Ephesus. And then the person who went to purchase would have a signet ring. 
And they would take the signet ring and they would pour hot wax on the, on the item, on the package that they purchased. They pour hot wax on it, take their signet ring and make an impression in the, in the wax, which spoke of ownership. And then they would ship it maybe back to Rome. The Romans would then send out a servant with a signet ring that matched the other signet ring. And the servant would come and show the port manager the ring. And they would find the package with that signet match them, and then the servant was able to take the package, take it back to his master. And so it is true. We are God's package. God has a stamp on us, and someday he's going to come and redeem his package because we are God's package. Isn't that great? We belong to him. Father, we thank you so much that we are yours. We don't have to worry about our salvation. We don't have to worry about whether we're going to get to heaven or not. You most certainly signed, sealed, and delivered us to heaven through the cross of Jesus Christ. And for that, Lord, we thank you. Would you stand on your feet this morning? We do thank you for that, Father. It's your promise that you're going to come back for us. And we love you today. And we honor you. And we give you thanks and we give you praise. And Lord, we continue in your word. We continue in these things of the spirit. May the spirit of God move in our lives. Empower our lives. May we begin to use and allow the spirit of God to have more of us. That we can live lives that are victorious In Christ Jesus, we love you, Lord. Lord, we know we're not good, but you are. You died on Calvary's cross. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And for that, we thank you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.